Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibrations stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl Sapphire. Back to you guys with one of my favorite, favorite monsters, my boo, Mistress K. Now, if you don't know who Mistress K is, maybe you need to go back into the Sapphire Earplay um, articles and artifacts, the deep archives, because Mistress K was actually one of the first monsters I did a moan chat with that we recorded I want to say it was like last June and we were talking about uh PNV sex and this time we're getting a little naughty with cougar and spice now if of course you <laughs> want to find out who Mistress K is highly suggest you guys go to headstronghousewife.com that's headstronghousewife.com check out hot her wife. <laughs> hot wife hot wife hot wife did I say did I fuck up the, the term see you're making me blush over here <laughs> Head strong, hot wife, hot wife, and she is a hottie. Headstrong, hot wife.com. Follow her on Twitter at headstrong hw on Twitter and fuck your Instagram and fuck Instagram in general because they have taken my girl down and I'm sick of it. You spread positivity and they just couldn't handle the sexiness. That's some bullshit. But that is neither here nor there. We are here. Second time. Second, second time. time motherfuckers. Two motherfuckers. <laughs> I can't stand them. But it's because of Mistress K that we had to thank for today's uh, topic. So why don't we just get into it? Let, let the people know who who is Mistress K. I am a hot wife, cuckoldress, dom primal in an FLR. I am heteroromantic by Curious and... Um, I'm a curious kinkster, a sexual health advocate, a proud slut sister. Uh, what else am I? I'm a fucking basket case at times. and uh, <laughs> All around badass. All around, yeah. Not, <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to the theory of fuck around and find out. That's, that's who I am. <laughs> I think our studio audience agrees with that too. <laughs> so down to the nitty gritty. Why are we talking about cougars and spice? Basically talking about the approach of how we talk about sex among older women in particular. Why do you think it's a need that we got to bring this to the earplay platforms today? Well, I think it's becoming even more prevalent and more relevant now because you have like the aging boomer generation. And this generation has been so influential in so many ways throughout history and i'm gen x so like i remember hearing everything about like the boomers did this me the boomers were kind of the trendsetters and now they're all in retirement and they're all older so i think we're going to see even more of these movies where you start examining sexuality in um in aging individuals and specifically Post Me Too movement, post, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff, you're going to see more of it from the female lens, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool because if you go back and you look at movies from the 80s and the 90s um, or 70s, there was a depiction of female sexuality, but often it was 
it was the femme fatales. It was the punishment. Even in the 80s, even, you know, when you've got this kind of post-feminist era, you're still seeing female sexuality is tinged with a sense of punishment. You know, you've got films like Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct where you have, you know, these women who are aggressively sexual and they are punished for it. In fact, during that time period, I was thinking, I was trying to think of during that time period, when you find women who are unabashedly sexual and aren't punished for it in some way. And the only film that I can think of from that kind of time era, from that like 80s, 90s, is Bull Durham. Mm. That's the only one. And luckily things like that have started to change. And that's one of the things that I'm noticing in this trend is like, hey, some of these women can actually be, you know, be unabashedly sexual and not be punished in some way for it. Um, and I don't mean like punished, like fatal attraction punished, but punished in, in such that they're sexually shamed, they're not celebrated, or it's not considered normal. Not know? to mention, a lot of these movies that you mentioned are all directed by men. So it's literally mm-hmm. for the male gaze. Sure, we're talking about women empowerment, and we're talking about women, you know, shedding it all on camera, but it's not... was. Are the movies that are so significant in sexuality, when you think about it, were they meant for us or were they meant to just put us on display and just say, here's a pair of tits and crazy women have at it? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's either it's either something to be feared Mm -hmm. from fatal attraction, something to be both desired yet feared Mm -hmm. or to joke. Yes. It's rarely just allowed to exist. And you find that, especially once the, a lot of the movies on my list are ironically Nancy Myers movies. So having a female writer certainly helps. But some of the ones that I notice that are far more kind of sex positive towards women in general are the ones that are also directed by women. And there's one on my list in particular that is directed um, by her daughter. That is, um, and I, I think it'll be on your list too. It'll be interesting. We'll have to compare the list. Uh-oh. But before we get into it, I did want to, since this is Cougars and Spies, yes. I did find a specific study on Cougars um, in the Journal of Marriage and Family. And this was a June 2015 study that was done. Um, It's called the Cougar Phenomenon, an Examination of Factors that Influence the Age Hypogamous Sexual Relationships Among Middle-Aged Women. That is a tongue twister right there. What a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that they found using a study uh, or using data from the National Survey of Family Growth um, and middle-aged women, they found that roughly 13% of sexually active women between the ages of 35 and 44 had slept with a man who was at least five years younger. Hmm. Contrary to conventional assumptions and results that show women with low incomes and those who self-identify as other race, not white or black, are more likely to be in an age hypogamous sexual relationship relative to all other relationship statuses. Previously married women are the most likely to choose younger partners. 
And the results suggest that age hypogamous relationships are not simply flings. A majority of them last at least two years and a sizable share of cougars are married to their younger partners. These results highlight the need to reconsider our conventional understandings of women's sexual relationships at midlife. So basically what this is all kind of saying is that our pop culture does not reflect our reality. No, no. In fact, Mm -hmm. to take a step further, if you think about it, when we watch some of these movies and especially the movies that I have on my list, um, it seems like most of the time all of these women are judged It is seen as Mm -hmm. a mere fantasy that there cannot be anything related as to why a woman wants to date, let alone have a real relationship with a younger man. That seems to be the ongoing thing. To take a step even further than that, it also like hearing that quote also reminds me of Real Housewives of Dubai, where one of the characters (laughs) who I really cannot stand, uh, Caroline Stansberry, she is married to a very, very younger man compared to her senior. I think she, there's like a 25 year age difference between the two of them. And there's a lot of stupidity that was thrown on camera surrounding them in, <laughs> in particular where he's uh, Caroline's husband basically says, yeah, we're going to have, you know, we, we do want to have a baby. And if it's too hard for me, we're just going to put it into him. And I'm like, um, y'all, that's not how science works. <laughs> that's not how it technically works, y'all. Like, <laughs> There was a really bad movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger Junior. and one of the uh, women in my list, Emma Thompson, where they discuss that and I'm like wouldn't that be great but hard no that's not a thing it's not a thing (laughs) yes this is not that movie y'all so it's just like (sighs) Caroline you need you need to teach your little cub a little bit of some good old-fashioned sex 101 but again it just you know people thrive on this in the media we want to see the cougar fall for the dumb guy the dumb hot guy Uh That is consistently the trope. So without Mm -hmm. further ado, Mistress K and I are definitely going to share our top three movies out of these types of relationships. But without before we even go into that. Old people and sex. Now, you are a very mature age, like fine wine, tall glass, (laughs) tall glass of womanhood, Mistress K. You are not... Geriatric, okay, for the record. I'm not no. gonna put that out there. Technically I have not reached senior citizen level yes. yet. Let's I cannot get my free coffee at McDonald's. Let's back <laughs> it up. Back this train up just a little yes. bit. Now when I get there, I'm gonna be rolling up like Molly Shannon in SNL going, I'm 50. Get in my coffee. I can kick and scratch and kick. I'm 50. Like that's gonna be me when I turn 50, but I can't no, I'm that's, not there yet. Yes, that's, that is not today. Just to clarify. Just to clarify. Because yeah, I'm gonna you know, hit the fucking 50s hard. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see you in your 50s because you are already just a supreme badass. But, you, you know, Mistress K and I do have a, a little bit of an age difference. I am 34. If Mistress K would like to say her age, that's at her discretion. But it's not needed. But you do have encounters, from what I believe, with younger men at some times. Correct? 
I have. Yeah. Yeah. My rule, um, and this is going to sound, my rule is I don't go younger than 27. And the reason why is I don't fuck with people whose brains aren't fully developed yet. So that's just my personal rule. Um, <laughs> the frontal cortex does not stop developing until age 26. Give that sucker a fucking year to like mature a little bit. And then we will, then we will jump on the deck, but not until then we're going to have a fully, fully developed brain before I get into it. But it even, even then it takes, um, it takes another like level of maturity. Mm -hmm. I just need to hold a conversation and we need to have similar interests. It's the energy, you know, it's, it's like anything just because you're young, dumb and full of cum does not mean I'm going to jump on that, you know, and you could be cut like, uh, you know, cut glass vase and beautiful. And I'll just be like, you're pretty hush your mouth and let me wash my lingerie on your abs. Like <laughs> that's, that's kind of where the, um, <laughs> that that'll be where that ends. So. Right. Right. No. And I, I'm glad that you have said that because also there is this ongoing theme where, you know, women from what I've seen in articles and what we see on television, it's like, well, I, I want to feel that sense of feeling young again. Is that why you choose, you know, under the, if it's like 27 and above good to go, or do you find it sometimes like a little challenging when you as a mature, more experienced woman seek the companionship of a younger man? Do you find that it could sometimes feel a little harder because it's not going into the whole mommy fetish, but it's also definitely going into that. Is he too young for me? Even if the age says, is he young? Is he young for me to experience what he so has to bring? So there's two different things there that I'm going to pick apart. So there's the idea that being with a younger man makes you feel young. And I, I disagree with that. I think that it is being with a young at heart person being and young at heart. I think the qualities that we associate with being young at heart are open-mindedness, curiosity, energy, and urge to explore. And I think you can find that in people of any age. And that is what gets you that sense of feeling young is when you have a safe space to feel like you can do that again, the way that you did when you were in your twenties and you were excited. And honestly, if they can make your pussy wet, it also helps as well. Um, but <laughs> just gonna, I'm just, if they can make the butterflies and the tingles happen, that's also going to give you that kind of flutter. But I think it is that those qualities, those energy qualities that we associate with youth. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is you've got the backside of that. You know, if that, if the openness, if the curiosity and that, if you're seeking that specifically in an age, but you don't, but you are at a level of like maturity and they are not at a level of maturity to understand the openness. And they may come at you with um, shame or preconceptions or something that you've got to then unpack. That can then put you in that mommy phase and be like, you know what? I I love, I want to be the one to help you explore about bodies, but I don't necessarily want to have to teach you about the world. Like you need to go out and do that on your own. This is speaking for myself. Um, so like... <sighs> I'm happy 
to have an open exploration with somebody new and that fires me up but if it's like get your shit together then that is going to have the opposite effect Ooh. and i think that um and i think that you can have that's where that is where the pop culture seems to glom onto is the idea that being with someone younger can make you feel older versus the qualities of youth that you end up rediscovering. And so that's what's interesting about some of my list is that, um, well, you want to kind of get into it? Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think that's a perfect lead in to your choices, to your picks, because you are the guest of honor tonight. Ah. (laughs) So we're doing three, top three? Yes, top three. Okay. So, um, all right. So I've got one that I was going to put, that I was going to put higher, but I'm going to move it to the side. I'm going to say number three, I'm going to do home again. Okay. Home again is a Nancy Myers movie starring Reese Witherspoon and Michael Sheen. She is a, she, in the movie, it starts with her turning 40. She is, separated, not yet divorced from her husband, uh, Michael Sheen. He's still in New York. She moves back to her home in LA. Her father's home, who was a famous filmmaker, um, Candace Bergen plays her mother. Love her. She's, she's great. She has two young girls. Um, she moves, she, her, um, her daughter spend the night with her mom and she goes out on the town with her girlfriends for her birthday. She meets three young 20 something men at a bar with her girlfriends and they all party, party, party. And she ends up, everybody comes back to her home and crashes out. And she, one makes a connection with one particular gentleman. Oh, so attractive too. <laughs> and um, they end up not having the one night stand that you expect them to have. Interesting. Due to the fact that this young man cannot hold his alcohol. Spoilers. So... It sets her up in the morning to almost kind of mother him a little bit because like she gets up, she's ready to start her day and here's all these people kind of passed out and she's just like, oh God, what the fuck did I do, right? (laughs) But then her, her mom comes home and her mom is the one who actually is like, you need to help these three young guys. They're here trying to get their film made. Your father would have loved them. Like they're, they're, they're hungry for the movie business. You have an empty guest house. Why don't you let them crash in your guest house? And Reese Witherspoon's just like, screw it. Okay, fine. <laughs> and then turns out, and, and turns out like Nancy Myers writes unbelievable. But you, when you go into a Nancy Myers movie, you just kind of know that you're going to go into a fairy tale. So walk into this. Know you're about to go into like a little bit of a cougar fairy tale. Of course. So. So you see the, you know, the 27 year old man, he kind of, uh, anyway, so they end up kind of having a relationship. The other two are just great connect with the kids. They're all these like 20 something year old men who are ambitious and actually kind of do have their shit together, but still have a little bit of a life lesson they need to learn. So she does form a relationship with this guy. You know, and, and it's an ongoing one. And of course, Michael Sheen. Uh-oh. The ex. 
finds out that there's three men living in his home. And did he come home for the wife and daughters? Did he come home to try and patch it out for that? No, he came home as soon as he found out that there were three 20-something-year-old men in his damn house. <laughs> with his really attractive hot ex. And he goes home expecting to try and fix it. Um the way that this movie ends, and it's been out for a few years, so are we good with spoiling the fuck out of we, this movie? We can spoil it. We can spoil it. Let's spoil the fuck out of this movie. So the way that it ends up is that I actually like the way that it ends up because you rarely find, there's, seems like so often the woman has to end up with someone mm -hmm. when maybe that's not the lesson that she needs to learn. Maybe the lesson she needs to learn is to be on her own. And that is... One of the things that I like about this is that it shows not only a um, a positive cougar relationship, but when it ends, because it does end, they are actually all able to kind of stay friends. They are able to realize the benefit of just having them, having these people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so it shows a, kind of a positive breakup. Um, it's, oh, it's so fairy tale land, this aspect of it, you know, because people don't end up at the kitchen table together like that, but it's almost, <laughs> it is almost like they're hinting at kitchen table poly. Mm -hmm. There are aspects of it that I'm just like, Ooh, I could see this. If it was a different script, this could be an interesting version of kitchen table poly right. kind of thing. So for that aspect of it. I will, I, I love the, the sex positivity of it, that it is, it shows that it is okay to be a single woman who is also sexual. It is okay to, um, was it the mindfully unpartner? Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to do that without animosity and, and that, and it, it shows that, and that's, a, that's just a good lesson, you know? So I, I like, like that. that aspect of the positivity for it and and she's never it doesn't treat it as a joke mm -hmm. it doesn't treat her sexuality as a joke it treats it as a normal aspect of her life and one that she also recognizes needs to be nurtured I so like I for those aspects it it kind of hit my um it, it hit my all my happy points for that but again it's full-on fairy tale like it is not this is not Cinderella left her shoe it's like you know <laughs> I mean let's face it I think that there's always going to be a disconnect with romantic films and real life you know there's mm -hmm. always going to be that that fantasy element no matter how real a relationship in a movie scenes. There's always that letdown when you're watching these romanticized movies that there's still that fairy tale happy ending that, you know, they left ways, but it's still like, are they going to still come back to each other? There's always that fantasy element, but sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes it works. And it sounds like with this movie, it does work. And I like it because to go back to that study that I was telling you about, one of the things that they, they talked about that 
is specific representation of cougars or other colloquial references to older women's sexuality, like MILF, found in the media, are frequently tainted with negative connotations. The idea of women dating younger men is often devalued through humorous comments, and these women are often depicted as ultimately presenting a danger for younger men as well as for themselves. Mm -hmm. Women dating younger men are commonly presented as obsessed with getting sexual validation from men or desperately trying to cling to their youth and the cougar lifestyle is not presented in media as accept as accessible and acceptable for all middle-aged women only for those who are taught dyed trim energetic and fit and those who are in their early 40s now this one falls into that latter category but it does not depict it as the, the actual sexuality and the actual relationship is not depicted negatively, but it is certainly depicted as something that is only possible because Ruth Witherspoon is as hot as she fucking is. That's true. You know what's funny? I, was, I was looking at a study that was from 2022 from University of Michigan. Um, they did a poll on healthy aging, focusing on the effect of menopausal symptoms on older women's sex lives. And so they did a survey between women between the ages of 50 and 80 and found out that almost half, so 43% of these women were sexually active, 62% were satisfied with their sexual activity and that only 28% had menopausal symptoms that actually interfered with their ability to be sexually active, which I found Mm -hmm. very, very happily because there have Mm -hmm. been studies before saying Women are just not interested after menopause, which I'm like, no, fuck that. We all remember Sex in the City, too, when Kim Cattrall's character was going through the change and taking her bath in the fucking hummus and putting hummus everywhere because that was supposed to help with the change. But it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to do better as far as like with these studies, we have to do better with the representation that. Once you turn old, you could still be sexy, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. we we tend to lose sight of that. Or we have to go to movies where Reese Witherspoon is the model-esque figure of what younger men want out of an older woman, which is just not the case. What are your other two? So what's your third? I want to know what's your three. Okay, so so I'll do my... Okay, so my number three is The Rebound. This is with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. This is around 2009 this movie came out, and I just saw it for the first time yesterday. I remember vaguely seeing previews in college, and I was like, oh, that ain't for me. But um, basically, so Catherine Zeta-Jones is typically your... It's like she is your stereotypical cougar, portrayed as hesitant to pursue a very younger man named Aram um, or anyone else. And at first, her main focus is to simply rebuild her life and taking care of her children as she starts over from suburbia, Jersey, into the craziness of New York. So basically, backstory, Sandy was um, is a mom, was a stay-at-home mom. She's really into sports into like building up her fantasy basketball players knows all the stats and comes across a video from one of her child child's uh, birthday parties in which the camera was left on and she finds her husband getting a blowjob 
while the kids in Catherine Zeta-Jones are in the next room playing karaoke by one of their other mom friends. So after that, she's like, fuck you, taking the kids. I'm going to New York City. I'm rebuilding my life. Mistress K's mouth is wide the fuck open. Honey, I screamed. That's within 10 minutes of the movie. I was like, holy shit. Okay, so now we got that. So she is a woman scorned, and she has another friend who's really promiscuous. She's like, you know what you need? You just need to get some good dick. You just got to go get laid. You're a hot woman. Fuck that man. Fuck that husband. Like, you just need to rebuild. So Sandy goes on this disastrous date with a chiropractor who not only doesn't wash his hands, but in going into a public, very public bathroom, touches on her, caressing her, and she's like me. We're very like hyper. She's very like sensitive to uh, cleanliness. So that guy got kaput. But then she meets a guy at a self defense class who is also the barista of the coffee shop that lives in in which she lives above the apartment of. And so she meets this hot barista guy who's kind of not getting his shit together. So kind of like what Mistress K said, is he really an appealing factor to Sandy at first? No. But she hires him to be his the Manny, and mm-hmm. they slowly develop a sexual relationship with each other. But what I loved about this movie is that it didn't focus so much on the fact that Sandy needed dick. Sandy needed to come into her own after being so deprived of being a, a mother, a stay-at-home mother in a loveless, sexless relationship and flourishes to go out and do the things that she wanted to do she gets a job as a stat checker for a sports um like a cnn or not a cnn like an espn type network tv show and so Mm -hmm. she climbs the ladder on that she finds aram who loves and cares for the children starts to fall in love with him he opens her up to just like rediscovering what it felt like before kids And eventually there's a pregnancy scare to which, again, she's an older woman. She's convinced she's pregnant. Comes to find out she was going through the pregnancy changes, but she wasn't exactly pregnant. So that became almost a little deal breaker for them because Aaron was ready to get his shit together. Sandy was kind of like, okay, we like each other. We can go through the, we're going to have a baby. Let's do it. Real life hits them. And she tells him, I think... You and I need to part ways and you need to go out and explore the world. Go out and travel. Figure out what you want to do with your life. So over a span of five years, it goes to a time jump of five years since they broke up. And at the end of the movie, it's left with a very unopen, like an open ending of whether or not Aram and Sandy actually get back together. Aram comes right. back, he adopts the son who was going to be the, the name of the child if they had had the child together. So she realizes like, oh my God, you got your shit together. It's like, yeah, I traveled the world. I went to India. I found this boy. We fell in love with each other. I adopted him. I brought him back to the States. But I have you to thank for telling me and getting me to go out and explore because now I know what I want. And the mm. movie ends with them and, you know, their children getting along together, the parents who are fucking crazy of Aram, falling in love, real love with Sandy, even though, again, the mother of Aram was very hesitant 
of why is an older woman so infatuated with my son? But she realizes it's not the sex. It's the connection. She brings out a good side of him. He brings out something out of her that she was missing. And that's what I loved. I was like, fuck, finally, a movie that doesn't end up in happiness and rainbows. It's more of like, are they going to stay friends? Are they going to become lovers? Or are they just going to respect the fact that they grew while being apart? And that's where the movie Mm -hmm. ends. And I think that was perfect because it wasn't fixated on the the cougarism. It wasn't so fixated Mm -hmm. on, you know, the age thing. In fact, the only non-sex positivity was coming from Aram's friend. Not so much Mm -hmm. Aram. Aram didn't give a fuck about whether or not he's dating an older woman. He made that very Mm -hmm. clear. But everybody else against him was like, no, dude, you got to fuck an older woman. But that's not what he was about. Yeah, that's kind of like Smith in uh, Sex in the City, where it's like she makes a bigger deal out of it than he does. He's just like, well, I want you. Right. Like, I can have that, but I want you. Like, I like why are what you I like. Yeah. Yeah. What's your number two? Yeah. So my number two is um, Something's Gotta Give. Ooh, Again, another, another Nancy Myers. Diane Keaton, uh, Jack Nicholson, Amanda Peet, and uh, Keanu Reeves. And so that one was a blockbuster success. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. And almost everybody's seen that one. And I, I love it. I love, I love that, that movie, but it is, I find it incredibly problematic. And one of the reasons why I... The thing that would be more interesting to me about this movie Mm -hmm. is that the arc, the character arc that we're following and the person who has the big turnaround is Harry. It's the Jack Nicholson character, right? You could put his character arc almost exactly in bucket list. It's almost like they lifted that character and they slapped it in another movie. It's the same fucking character i was gonna also say it, that it reminds me of the character that he did in terms of endearment yeah i mean i i love me some jack nicholson but he's you know he plays a type and again this is a 2003 movie so we're you know we're we're dating it a little bit but one of the things that i love about it is i don't love the ending mm. but i do love um, the time of separation between the two of them. There, there actually, there's a couple of things I love about this movie. I love the sex scene between her and Jack Nicholson where she makes him stop and check his heart, his yes! blood pressure, yes! because he's had the heart attack and she's like, I think it would be irresponsible if we don't stop and check. And he's like, what? And he's all worried that she's going to get pregnant and she's like, menopause. <laughs> I do remember like, that. Oh my God. Those moments in there, I'm just like, oh, can we have more of that in movie? Not because it's just, not because it is, I mean, yes, it's played for comedy, but at the same time, it's just like, fuck it. This is the reality. Like sometimes you've got heart conditions. You might need to check that shit. But not to mention, sex can be very funny. I think people also take out of context that sex is such a serious thing. And it's like, honey, if I'm not laughing in the bedroom, are we really having fucking fun? Right. And I mean, just seeing her going, you know, it was at 120 over 80 and then flinging the blood pressure in the air. 
so good. <laughs> it's so good. But it does have some of those qualities that um, it talked about in this article. The idea of like women's bodies. I mean, you see Diane Keaton full frontal nudity. And of course, she's just walked out of the shower. He sees her. He's not used to seeing women over 40. Because he's like into the, the younger women. Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, it starts off the movie with almost that line from Days Confused where he's like, I keep getting older, they keep staying the same age. Like, it starts off with him being this womanizing, and he's depicted in the in the plot thing is a swinger on the cusp of being a senior citizen with a taste for younger women falls in love with an accomplished woman closer to his age. So they're depicting them as in their 50s, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Diane Keaton's a highly successful playwright. And when they take him to the ER, when they take Jack Nicholson's character, who has a um, heart attack in the midst of trying to fuck Diane Keaton's daughter, right. played by Amanda Peet, right? And um, so they take him to <laughs> she should like they're at the beach house. Diane Keaton shows up every then. Um, surprise surprise they have to call the ambulance and take him to the hospital right so her daughter's a grown-ass woman no matter what diane keaton thinks she's like it's not my business not my circus not my monkeys um (laughs) they go to the hospital and keanu reeves of course plays the er doctor who's looking after harry and is finds out that Diane Keaton's this playwright and he's just like, I love your plays and stuff like that. And Diane Keaton's best friend's like elbowing her hard. Like, going, you better like, go get this Keanu. So into her. And so they end up dating later on after she, you know, she falls in love with Jack Nicholson because he has to stay there in the house. Right. And so they end up falling in love, but Jack Nicholson can't handle it. So he breaks up and breaks her heart. She has this full-blown meltdown, writes, ends up writing almost like a revenge play about him that gets put on Broadway. And over the course of writing it and healing, she starts dating Keanu Reeves' character. And the two of them together... There are scenes where she's uncertain and he's so into her. That is fucking hot. Like, that's <laughs> the part that I go and I'm like, let's fast forward to that because I just want Keanu Reeves to give me that energy. I'm, I am here for that energy. And like I said, it foreshadowed what is to come because he is now in his own cougar-like relationship. With yeah. a very, I mean, she is gorgeous. She's gorgeous. gorgeous. And he's so into her. Yes. I love it. And he has had so much heartache that he deserves this. He does. But I find it completely unrealistic that she can be, she can have had this major heartbreak, healed from it, found connection with this younger guy. And then as soon as Jack Nicholson wanders back into the picture, she ends up leaving him for Jack Nicholson. And I'm like, um, I'm sorry, but what are you bringing to the table? What are you, what are you offering other than comparable age? Because the rest of the family does not apparently give a shit that you are dating Keanu Reeves. 
let's face it, that's a fucking coup. Well done. Pull mm -hmm. it off. So the end of the movie bugs me. I get that it's like, no, she ultimately never fell out of love with him and all that. I don't know. I'm calling bullshit on that. He broke her fucking <laughs> Um, so that's my down part, but I do think the the relationship that she has with Keanu Reeves is a wholly positive and healing one. And it is a healing one on both factors. Like he's, he is getting something out of this relationship from her. She's getting it from him, but ultimately he realizes, you know, when Jack Nexican falls back into their life and she is not in love with him. Keanu Reeves is the one with the maturity to kind of say, I don't think I'm really the one that you want here. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm not willing to compromise my life and spend my life with someone who doesn't really want me. So he's the one that kind of pulls back out of this, showing really the more mature part of it. And, um, and so that's the aspect of that movie that I like, is that it does actually show that relationship in a positive light it shows her sexuality in a positive light like it is that she is gonna have this sexual relationship whether it is with jack nicholson or keanu reeves it doesn't make fun of her sexuality the comedy is in the sex but sex is fucking funny let's let's be honest it, it can is. be hilarious um and so that's, that's the things that I like about it. That's why I view it as sex positive. I just don't think in 2003, they could have told Jack Nicholson to pound sand. You know, like, I don't think that that, that would have flown for that. I think they would have, if they were, which is why I think that home again is kind of the step. It would have been the next step. And then if Nancy Meyer had lived, then the next step would have been, you get to stay with the younger guy. Right. You know, <laughs> got to cater to those audiences. So, yeah. Whoo, man. What's your number two? My number two is actually probably a surprising one to most, but Magic Mike's Last Dance. This last. Yes! <laughs> so, we are, we are uh, running close on time. So, I just want to, I'm going to get through this close. So, of course, yep. Magic Mike's Last Dance final movie of the Magic Mike trilogy came out earlier this year. Um, I found it very interesting um, that Soddenberg decided to take away the whole like pleasure aspect of Magic Mike, um, giving us mm -hmm. the female gaze. And a lot of, I think this is also why uh, to some people are like, ah, was this as good as the others? Or is this a totally different movie? I personally feel that this was like a mature chapter that needed to grow because after the fun is said and done, just like a lot of people in sex work, the fun sometimes does have to come to an end. So yeah. Magic Mike opens up. We see him not in his stripper um, attire, but in fact, he is working for Selma Hayek, um, who is pretty much a billionaire. Husband is a very rich playwright, owns a lot of... Uh, opera houses that host the boringest dullest plays known to man and Selma just wants to stick it to her ex-husband and just wants to find something to make her feel alive and she finds that with Mike so after a paid night of sex and pleasure she finds herself enlightened and almost inspired by Mike and decides to take her under his wing um, 
ship them off to London and says, you're going to give us an experience. You're going to give what women truly want. In fact, the ongoing theme of this movie is whatever she wants, whenever she wants. And that's pretty much how the movie leads. Now, what I liked about this was, again, the movie was not really focused on Selma Hayek and Mike actually fucking. In fact, they only have sex twice in the movie, if I remember correctly, if not just once. And there's a lot of sexual tension between them, but it's more of the fact that Selma wants to see Mike just expand his wings from being a furniture maker to a stripper to a bartender to now being just a great choreographer and revitalizing what we consider art. And so by using mm-hmm. sex and sexuality and sensuality, Selma and Channing Tatum's characters together kind of fall in love amidst this whole facade of what if we tell women what they want, that they can have the fantasy and still go home to their husbands and still get what they want out of it. And that's what I loved. You were gonna, you were it gonna- seems like continuation of what they started with uh magic mike uh was it extra large or yes xxl yeah um xxl or whatever um because that one if you go back and watch that sequel compared to the positive in the first one women are treated like shit oh yes they're talked about like shit you go into the second one and it is all sex positivity it is all female sexuality like andy mcdowell's character in that you know she is encouraged to be sexual she's encouraging her daughters to be sexual she's going after what she wants and you know joe magnella's character so not to mention Um, not to mention you get the guidance of Jada Pinkett Smith who taught Mike right. everything he knew and you even get this whole like wow shit okay this black woman is telling me that the pleasure lies not just between my thighs but between mm-hmm. this brain of mine that queen I'm a queen you know so it's like there's that that carry on to the thematic of okay Selma is not your typical cougar like mm-hmm. Mike even makes it very clear we're in a business relationship. Yeah. You know, I might like you, but I'm not fucking up this bag for you yeah. or for me. You know, I mm-hmm. see that there's an opportunity. Not to mention, you know, he's also trying to, you know, earn the respect of the very, very outspoken daughter of Selma Hayek and who could see, like, yeah. You're in love with my mom, but uh, business first, Mike. Business first, foremost, and always. And that's what I kind of liked. Now, the only thing, of course, you know, it's a fantasy movie. So, of course, they end up together. But also, I was kind of like, it would have been nice that Mike, Channing Tatum, and Selma Hayek didn't get together, but also just find the fact that sex is a power thing. But sex doesn't always have to mean power in relationship sex can be leveled up mm-hmm. as a resource of power in learning from each other and i think selma as the older woman taught mike where to stand in this world that he is more than just a stripper that he is an innovator mm-hmm. that yes he is at the hands of women's pleasure but at the same time he holds the power and the control 
of giving women what they want and helping bringing that out almost like a therapy session. So that was my top two. Mm. So my number one is going to be no surprise. um, Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Yes. That is my number one sex positive view of women's older women's sexuality and the thoughtfulness with which this was done you know it was written by women uh directed by a woman has a very very vulnerable emma thompson i would love honestly i'd really love to see this done as a stage play because Mm. it Mm -hmm. takes place the majority the, the the full majority of the movie takes place within you know four walls of a hotel room yes so it is it lends itself extraordinarily well to being a stage play there's only one scene of it that kind of takes place out of it where they go to like the hotel bar the coffee the coffee shop it's so great but so for those of you who haven't seen it um good luck to you leo grand is about emma thompson's character um nancy nancy in quotation marks um she is uh she is a a woman who has lived and been married and raised her children and she taught uh she was a college professor and she has lived her entire life kind of for other people and her husband has passed away And um, there was no animosity, there's no divorce, there's no anything, but she realizes that she had a very one-note experience in terms of sex. Mm -hmm. She only had, like, missionary position, um, in the dark, you know, it was, you can... You get the sense that maybe her husband had a whole lot of hangups about sex because anytime she wanted to explore anything else, it got shut down. And it was very much expressed in that movie, too. And so her sexuality was stifled because the one person that she's, you know, society says you're supposed to be able to explore this is shutting her down at every turn she never even gives him a blowjob like that's one of the things on her list that she wants to do not to mention he never gave her oral and he never gave her oral she's never and and one of the things that i love she goes into this she says i've never had an orgasm it's not going to happen that's not why we're here You know, she takes that goal, that kind of like, I'm going to make you come, you know, off the table. And she's just like, no, 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 no. I understand that the orgasms can be very hard. It is, that is not what we are here for. I am not here to an experience to have you give me an orgasm. I'm here to have an exploration of sex and sexuality and doing things that I want to do literally checking off her fuck it list before she dies right yeah she has a she has a literal list of of things that she wants to do and orgasming is literally not on the list I, um, I loved how this movie goes into basically if you will four acts okay so it's four meetings yes. that they have with each other four acts which could very much be like a play um but I love how there's such 
you're almost walked through the process of her being so awkward. I think for the first mm -hmm. like 30 minutes of that movie, it is so awkward and it's so realistic to know that this is speaking to a lot of women who probably went to this movie not knowing what the fuck they were walking into. Well, and and to, to clarify, we've talked about her, but the way, way she is going about achieving her fuck it list is she hires a younger male sex worker. Mm -hmm. And coming from her background, where she taught, I think, religious studies, yes, she has a lot of hangups and shame about the morality of what she is doing. And at several times in the film, he has to kind of pause and say, Nancy, Nancy, you are not victimizing me. I am not a victim. You have hired me for an experience. Please allow me to give you the experience that you have hired me for. You know, and she she is so in her head. She is so out of touch with her own body. And he is so in touch with his own sexuality and the way that sex can be used as a healing win. It is it is almost like watching sex therapy happening. Oh, very on, much. On the screen. It's really, really amazing. But... And there are some hiccups. There's, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. But ultimately, you find a woman who discovers what it means to be sexual for herself. Mm -hmm. um, and what it means to truly kind of connect sexually with another person. And she's never had that experience despite being married and having children. Um. And it's just it's the and one of the, the the one of the big scenes that that comes from it. And Emma Thompson's gone on record as saying it was the most terrifying thing that she had to do. Is at the end of the scene, end of the movie, she looks at herself in the mirror, and she stands after having gone through these wonderful experiences and having this kind of healing thing. She stands and she's able to stand naked in front of the mirror and look at herself from a place of neutrality and acceptance, just being able to look at the body of a woman who's in postmenopause, does not look like the stuff on the magazines, does not look like society's pressure and everything. Mm -hmm. And she's able to look at it at herself in the mirror and just accept and love herself. And there's a difference between body neutrality and body positivity. And as much as I love body positivity, and I think we should be body positive, I think it is more important for us to get to a place of body neutrality where we can look at each other, look at ourselves and just go, yep, that's me. Exactly. And I actually had just seen this over the weekend leading up to um, our conversation today but it was very refreshing as someone who has worked in the sex industry for now 15 years yes y'all 15 years of both radio and sex work it is crazy but getting a almost realistic point and even parts of that are uncomfortable as far as sex work, because there is a point where Nancy, 
does cross the line of boundaries surrounding mm-hmm. sex work. I don't want to spoil it because it is a fairly new movie. Um, yeah. But it's probably the newest one on our list. Yes, definitely. And I found it refreshing that they took it the way that they did because this is a danger that most sex workers face day in and day out. I'll never forget mm-hmm. the first time I was outed of my real name. And instead of hiding behind it, because Megan is my real name, I decided to add Megan Sapphire to my my professional um, atmosphere the more I started putting myself out there. Not just because somebody tried to out me, but it was just more of like, listen, my name, I made my name. I made my character. And that's kind of like what happens with Leo. He says, you mm-hmm. know, I am Leo Grand. Everything else about me does not matter because I made this yep. person who you see in front of you today. For me, that was probably one of the most powerful scenes as far as like sex work goes, because a lot of the times we see sex workers very dumb, very, very money hungry and driven. And there's mm-hmm. a sense of where Leo is a therapist. They paint yeah, sex, a- sex work as therapy for this. There's a thoughtfulness to it. And the sex workers that I have spoken to, you know, be it phone sex operators or former escorts or whatever, you know, one of the things that they talk about that is kind of core for their job is that um, the idea that we are starving for intimacy and we are starving for connection. And so often the people who um, hire sex workers they're craving that sense of connection. So the sex may actually be, um, it's part of it, certainly, but it is not the whole experience. Exactly. And it is not, um, it's, it's usually there is, there is a desire to be heard and be listened to. And um, a lot of what they kind of talk about is that. Great, great movie. So in wrapping, my last movie and honorable mention, I'll put that in. But how Stella got her groove back. So in my research for this, I watched a couple movies back to back. I watched The Rebound. I watched How Stella Got Her Groove Back. I ended my night with um, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Uh, Grand. But I also watched Don Juan with um, Joseph Lord uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and that was his his uh, directorial debut with Julianne Moore and Scarlett Johansson. But I decided not to put that on the list because there's so much more of Don Juan that I want to like peel back in a different episode. But Alcella mm-hmm. got her groove back. 1998, you got Whoopi Goldberg, you got Angela Bassett, and you got a very young, fine, fine, mm. sexy Tay Diggs. Uh, yes, you do. You know, Stella basically is um, in the stock market day in and day out. I believe she's a broker. And she is rediscovering who she is after establishing a relationship with a 20 year old man. She's in her forties and she goes to Jamaica Jamaica with her friend, Delilah, Whoopi Goldberg's character. And you know, Whoopi being Whoopi is like the fun girlfriend. That's like, girl, we're going to drink. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a good time. I already found us two, two eligible men, you know, between them, as she says, they got two or four Super Bowl rings between the two of them. And I'm choosing the cuter one. You get the creepy one. But whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. We're in Jamaica. We're going to live our best lives. 
no holds bars. You look at Angela Bassett, and I'm like, damn, this woman is in her 40s, ripped up like she's in her 20s. And there's well, a scene. Let's talk about the fact that she was coming off of uh, what's love got to do with it. So she had Tina Turner arms. Yes. Is what she had. Tina Turner arms. <laughs> not to mention, she's coming fresh off of uh, Waiting to Exhale. So it's like two different characters altogether. She's playing oh, yeah. a stronger woman. In those other movies, she's a broken woman that has to refine herself. Stella is just trying to find a way of managing a good life, a good job, but also just finding a man, finding connection other than her very like well-mannered son who's very overprotective. But she meets Tay Diggs' character who is a, uh, an islander himself. And he even says like, you're not 40. You've got to be in your 20s. And, you know, Stella's just not having it. But I love how they have this song and dance of whether or not it is possible to find true love with someone who's not even legal to drink, to bring back to the right. States and drink with. And that's the ongoing theme is, you know, what am I doing? She keeps asking mm-hmm. herself. And this is also based off a great book by the very just renowned amazing author terry mcmillan y'all need to read her books waiting to exhale how Stella got her groove back please add those to your reading list um but again it's just it takes it aside where sex is not it can be the forefront but that's not what i was seeing my now probably 12th time seeing this movie i was seeing a woman who was just simply just trying to find connection that she had to go outside of america to find the perfect soulmate but even then she's still broken because there are parts where tay Dix is trying to assure her i'm not in it to chase your age you know i know that you are my mother's age but that's not why i chose you i chose you because i see you i see mm. your potential i see what you are capable of doing and that attracts me to you even when angela goes to his house to meet his mother who is the same age as her she asks, what are you doing with my baby boy? And yeah. why my baby boy? And yeah. she says, he sees me. I've mm-hmm. never had a man just see me for everything that I bring to the table. And yeah, there's the ebb and flow of like, he can't pay for the luxury that she worked very hard for. But at the same time, the money is not a factor. It's more yeah. so of the connection that she and him are building. And him embracing a son who is damn near only probably 10 years his senior, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think we do not give this movie enough credit when it's due, despite like who's watching the movie, but it's a really good revisit damn near almost 20 years later or 30 mm-hmm. years later at this point, 30 years, 30 this years. Is yeah, this is 1998. So yeah, about 30 years. It's just crazy to revisit this and just see it in a whole different light. And which brings it back to everything that we've been talking about is old people need love too, you know. And that's my honorable mention. I'm going to do the old people need love too is my honorable mention because you go from the depiction of older people in like cocoon getting all uh, oh my up because they went swimming in the in the cocoon thing to now you've got something like the book club. Mm-hmm. Um, where you have this group of four women getting all hot and bothered because they read, read Fifty Shades of Grey. And it doesn't have the element of, of cougarism in it, but it does have this idea that um, 
older women do not become asexual just because they go through menopause. That. And that is the lesson of that movie that I love because Jane Fonda is sexual. She is like Samantha from Sex in the City. If she I fucking walks in there and is just like, here's the book we're reading. We're reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Everybody needs to go get laid. Go get laid. Like, and that's and in the beginning of the movie, that. by the way. That is like that's literally the beginning of the, beginning of the movie. And they they read the whole trilogy, but the thank thankfully they don't dwell on those no, pieces of shit no. books. Um, you know, it's the the book is the catalyst for them to kind of re-examine the role that sexuality plays in their lives. And these are women who already accept sexuality as part of their lives. Depending on who which woman it is, it's either a woman who uses sex to push intimacy away and is confronted with that from the books because she finds she's identifying with Christian Grey too much, <laughs> Jane Fonda. Yes. Then you've got, um, you've got the Candace Bergen shows up again. So she's the one who is so hung up on her ex 40 years later, however many years later that she's just shut down. So it's her, she's the one that goes through kind of the discovery, the but she goes through it very kind of matter of factly, which I love. And then you have um, Diane Keaton, newly widowed, kind of knowing that she had this great love, realizing that her daughters are really kind of trying to mother her and put her in this old person box and she's not ready to go in this old right. person box yet. And then you have the my favorite of the characters in this. You have Mary Steenburgen's character, who is still very vibrant, still wants, you know, her husband is recently retired and he's going through his struggles with a lack of identity because he is retired. And that has shown up as sexual problems. And she's just like, this is a problem. I need sex. We've got to figure this out. And she goes about trying to figure it out a little bit wrong by pushing them into it. And I love the resolution for their characters is really they talk to each other finally. Yes. And that's my favorite part of that movie is the way that these women find res resolution with this is they actually honestly confront what it is that they're really looking for. And then they speak to their potential partners about it. And that is why I love that as that sex positive. And it's definitely my honorable mention. I was keeping it as honorable mention because there's not a cougar aspect of it. So, but I feel the sexuality, top of the list. My, so. my final, my final honorable mention is Mrs. Fletcher. It was an HBO show um, a couple years ago, only got one season. It was based off of a book, Catherine Hahn from gosh, WandaVision. Ooh. <laughs> most yeah. recently um Catherine Hahn plays Eve Fletcher who is a divorcee um of one son Brandon who is going off to college and it's been two years since um Eve has actually had sex and so with the departure of her, her only son going off to college who himself is going through a weird sexual journey um I vaguely, again, it's been years since I actually binged on the show, but after revisiting articles, I remember bits and pieces. Brendan was the type of guy that we get warned about going into college, that you don't take lessons from porn. Not every girl that you bed wants to be choked, wants to be called a bitch, wants to be called a slut, a whore, this, that, and the third. In fact, to a point where, right. where Catherine Hahn, Eve, walks in on her son, like, 
getting fellatio from a very crazy chick and hears like what he's saying and takes that back to going into her own journey of masturbation through the raunchiest porn. And she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is not for me. Like, how do you do this? But then after she re- like discovers porn, she goes into a, I forgot the type of class it was. I think it was a writing class. Yes, it was a writing class. And um, she enrolls into like a personal essay course and she starts to begin to like find herself through her writing, but also through sexuality. And there's a very, very strong like porn pattern because again, she sees the stuff that her son is into. She's also not ready to say, I'm old. I want to have sex the way my son has sex. And so she decides to have sex with anybody and anything that is walking. In fact, she actually has a enlightenment of a queer sex um, revision, which was, again, why it needed a second season, because it ended on a cliffhanger of, did she or did she not do this three-way with her trans teacher and this much younger man who happens to be Brendan's old friend from high school. So she is in a full-blown relationship, sexual relationship with his son's, with her son's friend. And he's like, I always thought you were hot. You know, that you like, you are just the definition of what a hot mom was. And I just was waiting. It's going on. It's got it going on. Brendan's mom in this case. <laughs> so that's what I loved about Mrs. Fletcher because, again, it was a very short-lived series. And it still ended beautifully, but it could have deserved a second season because I really wanted to see the psyche of her getting into her sexual foreground. And which is a lot of things that we have talked about of, you know the lack of intimacy that we see in films surrounding older adults. We need to get out of our, our, our heads that the only tits and ass and dick that we ever need to see is a hot man from Bridgerton, sex in the city and whatnot. Okay. <laughs> old people need love too. That is what my 94 year old grandmother will ever tell you. Old people need love too. If my 94 grandmother tells me she masturbates, heaven forbid, listen, go ahead, Nana, go ahead, get you, you so- what you need. Again, to go back to that article, like our pop culture does not reflect the reality of what we are living in because the demographic with the highest rising STI rates are senior citizens. It's that leading edge of the boomers who are now in the retirement communities and they are fucking in. Gonorrhea. Gonorrhea and syphilis. Those are what's going down at grandma and grandpa's side of town, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of exploration going on. I'm like, I think, you know, if I go into sex education, mama's going to be going into the senior citizen and going to be like, this is how to put a condom on a dick. For real. how you need to when you're getting your meds and when you're going to your doctors please ask them for an sti test you know what i might have to change the episode name old people need love too fuck it that's gonna be the title i think no 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 cougar and spice cougar and spice Spice makes it way more sexier but seriously we just have to get rid of this mindset that when you go to swinger parties the reality is you're gonna see 
all types of bodies. Honey, mm-hmm. I am the youngest thing on the menu, but I'm not on the menu. I was at a swinger birthday party last uh, two weekends ago. I got in the pool naked and I saw all the old people drooling. They're like, mm-hmm. it is cold, woman. And you don't care. We don't care. We just love seeing this beautiful body just go in <laughs> to be young. You know, and I, you talked to me the, at the beginning of the episode about do I date younger men? And I do. I Or I, I do see and fuck younger men. I also see and fuck older men. So I, you know, I am not race specific. I am not age specific. I have a window. And if you are attractive and if I am attracted to your energy and you are within that window, I game on motherfucker. It is. That's more of how I am. So like one of my long-term play partners is older. Um, He's great. I, there's a reason he's a long-term play partner. And you know, it's one of those people are like, Oh, younger men have stamina. I'm like, you haven't met my guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. I love that. So again, we just have to reconsider and be a little bit more empathetic the next time that, you know, an older individual may approach you. Give them a time. Mm -hmm. You never know what you're going to find. Fuck around and find out, honey, because you just never know, right? You just never fucking know. (laughs) Just put a condom on it. Yes, put a condom on it. Please get yourself checked. Make sure that they're up to date with their tests. And then, you know, fuck around and find out. There you go. (laughs) Mistress K, where can the people find you? Um, On my blog, headstronghotwife.com. And maybe this will be the kick of my ass. I need to post something new. Um, You can find me on Twitter, headstronghw. I would say Instagram, but they fucked me over. So I've got to get a new one on that. Um, And I'm on the Moan app. So I do do talks on that app. So you can find me there. Got anything coming up that the people should know about? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, go and support headstronghousewife.com. Please, please. Hot wife, good lord. Hot wife, god damn it. (laughs) So I do have, um, I do a monthly, I do have something coming up on Moan. I need to schedule it. So I will get off the phone with you and do go schedule it. But every month I do a Moan mixer because I'm one of those OG Moansters. And um, so I kind of do a little intro into what the app is and a little Q&A for anybody who's new to the app. And then we have we turn the recording off and we play fun, sexy games. Um, and it's all audio based and it's all very nice. You, you're any amount of experience is welcome because I will always have a vanilla option for my sexy questions. You can go for sex or you can go for vanilla. So I usually give a, but it's a question answer game and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of way to get to know the people that are on the app. And especially if you're new, it's designed for new people to join the app and um, find out what it's all about. And it's so much fun. Come on the space, y'all. And of course, you can find me at Ms. Radio Sapphire. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E on Instagram at Ms. Radio Sapphire.com. Sapphire's Earplay, which is virtually anywhere. Like it, love it, share it. Start writing some fucking reviews. Give me that five star. <laughs> Give me the four star. But just don't go any below than that. <laughs> Yes, show me some love on the iTunes and the Spotify where you can. This is how you guys keep me going. And I am taking a break from the Monap 
probably until at least the summer. We'll see what happens. But mm-hmm. I am on the Moan app at Ms. Radio Sapphire. So please show some love and follow. But please come through to Mistress K's room. This is why I get along with her. And as many times as I have fucked up this damn name of the website, <laughs> I, I'm already like, I know I'm got a punishment, a good punishment in my head. It's great. Mm-hmm. But this is why mm-hmm. I adore you. So thank you so much, Mistress K, for joining us today. Absolutely. It's always amazing to have you. Remember, y'all, that safe sex is the best hot sex. Till next time, good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Remember to follow at Ms. Radio Sapphire and Sapphire's Earplay on Instagram. Want some eargasms of the past and future? Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all streaming platforms.